Good morning and welcome. We, uh, my family and I, we've been at uh, Grace Chapel since it first started. We, uh, many of you know, it started at Loveland High School, and we were there for the first service. And you know, it's amazing. Those days are so different than these days, obviously with the amount that goes into it and how smoothly things go. I can remember the first service, they couldn't even find an overhead projector to put the songs up on the board, you know, and now it's just so seamlessly the words appear. And so thank you all for the marvelous job that you do in making things work. Sure, give them a big hand. It's so nice. And uh, everything is where it should be, and uh, everything works the way it ought to work. And so we're grateful for everyone that makes the service go so smoothly. During the holiday season, I, I, I don't know if this happens at your house, but, but we, we have what's called the holiday drain in our house, right? The holiday drain. Here comes Thanksgiving. Well, we've got to do something a little different than we did last year, so we drain some money away from one place to make Thanksgiving a little bit better. Christmas is coming, so we want Christmas to be a little bit better, so we drain money away from somewhere else. And pretty soon, you know, you find yourself looking at uh, your budget and saying, you know what, I shouldn't have taken that from there. Uh, all kinds of good causes uh, start sending you letters and uh, appeals to give money and things like that, and you forget about home sometimes. You know, you forget, boy, better take care of home. And I, I hope that during this holiday season, as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas, that, that you understand that the church is our home. It's our home church. And so as much as you can, try to support and, and give to the church. Uh, the, the, Jeff and his staff do so much and you can imagine during the holidays how many more needs and demands there are uh, on his time and his staff's time. And so if they didn't have to worry about the budget because we gave so much, that would be a wonderful thing. So I, I encourage you during this holiday season to truly maintain the church and the home as a priority in your giving. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. And we ask that as we open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, that you would use the words of the text to challenge us and to encourage us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, is oftentimes called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. This morning in the first service, we talked about uh, Abel, who worshipped with God. Abel worshipped with God. Uh, in this service, we're going to talk about Enoch, who walked with God. There's a difference, I think. Uh, worshipping, walking, some of it's similar, but you get the idea. Abel worshipped. He did the sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to God. And Enoch is going to walk with God. And when all is said and done, he doesn't come home. God says, stay for dinner, and off he goes. And so walking with God and worshipping with God. Enoch is our example of walking with God. Now, if you're a numerologist, you know, a person that loves numbers, you'll love Enoch. He's the seventh uh, from Adam. Now, that's God's number, right? Seven. That's kind of cool. 365 years old he was, 365 days. See the parallels there? Walking daily with God, all of those things. But Enoch is this testimony to us. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, as one who pleased God. What a great compliment to him. We can please ourselves, but that's selfishness. We can please others, that's compromise. Or we can please God, and that's commendable. What a marvelous thing it is to imagine a life that God says at the end of it, he says, 
I love your life. I'm happy with it and what you've done. In Enoch, the true destiny of man is regained as he experiences fellowship with God. Remember Adam and Eve? We don't start with Adam and Eve in Hebrews chapter 11 because Adam and Eve live by sight, not by faith. So they don't get into the hall of faith. But Enoch lived by faith. And he shows us what it is like to live in the presence of God again and to please him with what we do and say. So this morning, what I would like for us to do is look together at four features of a life that pleases God. Four features of a life that pleases God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it tells us the first feature of that life. The first feature of that life is it is a life that walks by faith. Look at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, he's not talking about religion and he's not talking about our heritage. He's not talking about your nationality. He's not talking about doing good works. He is saying without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, you're off the mark right from the start. And so in order to be pleasing to God and for God to look at your life and say, I'm pleased with that life, it must be a life of faith, a life that is lived, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It is that life that doesn't see, but trusts, that believes that God is able, that God can perform, that God can do. It is a life of faith. Notice the word that he uses in verse 6. He says, and without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. He is saying you are powerless. You are impotent. You are unable to please God. If you do not have faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. When we seek to please him, we can only do it through faith. You say, well, I'm not that kind of person. I'm very empirical. I need to touch, feel, and see Well, then you're losing your blessing. You're losing the opportunity to please God because you need to have a life that says, you know what? I want to trust in you, God. I want to trust in what you have done. You see, God has made faith the condition of relation with him. And being the very God of truth, he can only be pleased with our faith, with our faith. Was it easy? Absolutely not. It was difficult. And faith and walking by faith is a difficult thing, especially in 21st century America. You know, 21st century America is a tough place to live because we've become so visual, right? With all of the things that we have with texting and messaging and and Internet and pictures uh, on the go. You you know, it's amazing. I I have received pictures in my pocket more than I've been handed to in my lifetime, right? Your text, your buzz, you open it up and there's a picture. Someone's showing you something. And so in this day and age, it's hard to be a person of faith. Because we are so visual. But God is reminding us that if you want to please him, it is a life of faith. You you see, Enoch was once again in agreement with God. The agreement had been broken, right? Remember, God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They ate. Relationship was broken. Relationship was restored when the blood sacrifices were made and covering was given for their sin. And Enoch understood that. By faith, he believed in what God offered as a sacrifice. And by faith, he was looking forward to Jesus Christ. He understood by faith. He, he neither lagged behind or moved ahead of God. He walked with God. That's a big deal, isn't it? Peter was good at running ahead of God. Remember Peter? He was one of Jesus' top disciples. But he seemed to always be running ahead of God 
and running ahead instead of walking with. Remember in the garden, the soldiers show up to take Jesus. And what does Peter do? And he whips out his knife and he cuts off Malchus's ears. He's ready to take on this legion of Roman soldiers. I'll fight for the kingdom, Peter says. But that's running ahead of God. You see, the plan was for Jesus to go to the cross and to die. But Peter ran ahead of, the, ahead of that plan. Peter oftentimes found himself lagging behind, didn't he? Peter fell behind. And remember when he fell behind? Jesus is being tried. And where's Peter? He's not up there supporting Jesus. He's warming himself by the fire with everybody else. And they look at him and say, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, no, no, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know him. And when they pressed him, what did he do? He cursed to use language that wouldn't have been appropriate for Jesus. And he uses that. You see, lagging behind, falling behind God oftentimes creates problems for us. But Enoch walked with God. I hope this doesn't sound like a a cliche, but faith is like a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so the more we are into his word, exercising faith, the more opportunities we have to do things for him. Faith, trusting him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the first feature of a life that pleases God is a life of faith. The second feature of a life that pleases God is found in verse 6 as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Believe that he exists. He comes to God, must believe that he is. So the second feature of a life that pleases God is that you believe that God is. That God is. He is what? That he is. That he exists. That he is alive. That he's here. He's in this realm. Faith is the spiritual sense by which we recognize the presence, power, and character of God. That's what faith does for us. You know, Fox News did a poll. 94% of the people that responded to the poll believed that God was alive, that he existed. Now think about that for just a moment. We, We talk about that and we say, well, of course, he is. We believe that. He exists. We believe that there is this uh, creator that made the world. Recently at, at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, where I teach, we had a, a, a creation, evolution, creation. The faculty, uh, not me, but the science faculty got together because we have some new faculty members and they wanted to talk through some issues. And we were talking about it with a, a group of teachers. And this one teacher said, that must have been a really short meeting. And we said, why would it be so short? Because if it's about creation, you walk in, you sit down and say, God did it, get up and walk out. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's pretty basic. And so we all say, yeah, we, 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 we're that, we're there, we understand God is, he's alive, he's real, he created, and we understand that. But you see, there is something more that is happening in the life of Enoch. You see, not only did he exist in Enoch's life, but he existed in Enoch's life. It wasn't just about him being the creator, it was about him being the companion, the person that was walking with him. You know, think about that for just a moment. Think about thinking and having the presence of God in your life and always practicing that. That's Enoch. He believed that God existed, that he was always there. I have a friend that coaches girls basketball at, at a school in Columbus, and, and his girls were coming off the floor one time, and they're, they're like talking to themselves. And so the coach was asking, you know, why are the girls talking to themselves? And he says, oh, that's our, we, we do whisper praying. They talk to God when they get upset. They, they remind themselves that he's the one they're playing for. I thought, how great is that? You know, you see people talking to themselves all the time and you stand back. Maybe that's why they're talking to God. 
But there's this sense that God is there, that he exists, that he is in our presence. It is a perpetual practicing of his presence in our lives. Parents at school, you you talk about their students in front of them and the parent goes, boy, I'm glad they behave. I like to hear that. Well, don't you like to hear it because you're not there keeping them in line? Doesn't that make you feel better? And how marvelous it would be. We don't need parents. We don't need adults. Instead, we have this understanding that God is there with us. And so therefore we live for him and we watch after him and do as he says for us to do. D.L. Moody was a, an evangelist in the 19th century, traveled all over the world, locating most of the time in Chicago and, and preaching the word of God. And his fame was so great that there was a guy who was opening a billiards emporium. That's a pool hall. And of course, back then, pool hall, they had this horrible connotation with gambling and low lifes and seedy individuals. But this guy thought, you know, if D.L. Moody would come and be at the opening of my pool hall, what a great thing that would be for me and my business. So the guy says, hey, will you come and be at the opening of my pool hall? D.L. Moody said, can I bring a friend? And the guy, you know, a little suspicious of D.L. Moody said, you know, I don't know who he's going to bring. So probably not. You can't bring your friend. And D.L. Moody said, well, if my friend can't come, neither can I. And the guy said, well, okay, fine. Who's your friend? He says, my friend is God. Do you want him in your pool hall? And the guy said, no, no, I don't. But that's the kind of attitude. It's that practicing the presence of God so that when we talk, when we're asked, when we do, we have this understanding that he is there with us going wherever we go. That's Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he believed that God exists. God's there everywhere watching us. Now, there are some that say, well, you know, that you, you really shouldn't say that. That sounds like you're scaring people by saying, oh, God is there. Oh, watch out. Well, if you're doing something wrong, you ought to be afraid, right? But if you're doing something right, how comforting is it to know that he is there with you, walking beside you, helping you through, giving you opportunity for each moment to do something more for him? By faith, by faith. A life that pleases God features faith and a belief that God is. A belief that God is. Please notice the third feature of a life of Uh, That pleases God. It's in verse six as well. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him and rewards those that earnestly seek him. So the third feature is we see God as a rewarder. See God as a rewarder. Now, be careful. okay? please allow your minds to stay with me and, and, and picture things as we go. If you jump ahead, you might miss Miss what it is that he's talking about here. He's trying to help us to understand that God is a personal, loving, gracious God to those who seek him. So it's not just this idea of, okay, I've jumped one step here and God's going to give me blessing. Instead, it's this idea of he is with me. And because he's with me, I understand that he has things for me to help me along the way. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, Enoch was an example of that. Enoch sought God for a son. And he got Methuselah. And Methuselah, you know who Methuselah is, right? He's the guy that lived the longest in all of the Bible. He had the oldest age. So Methuselah was the reward for Enoch's earnestness in prayer. You see, faith is this belief that God can be found, and when you find God, he rewards you. There are a couple of passages uh, we, can, we can look at. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. First Chronicles did we get those? Oh, there it is. I'll just do that. It'll be quicker. Uh, 
First Chronicles 28.9, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. This is David's instruction to his son Solomon, and the, the payoff is going to be, Solomon, you get to build the temple, and I don't, because you seek him. You seek him. You see, if we seek God, he will be found. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen is another passage. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the promise. The promise is that if you seek God, he will do something for you. Now, uh, you have to understand that we, we want to, in keeping with and understanding that the way may be dark, that life might be difficult, but even in those times when we seek him, he can be found. Now, the, 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 the payoff is what we look for, isn't it? The promise is, seek me and you'll find. Well, what's the payoff? Well, he rewards, and, and in this passage, in verse 6, it says, he is the rewarder, or he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards. The literal translation there is, who pays wages. So that means that if you work at finding him, there will be payment. Okay? Now, I, I don't know what the payment will be for you. That's the marvelous thing about kingdom living, is that God knows each of you specifically so that he can say, this is what your reward is. This is what your wage is. This is what your payment is. He knows exactly what it is. You know, I, I cannot know what that is. You know, I, I, I don't know if you ever watch uh, evangelists on TV and, you know, they, they, they sometimes reach this point where they're able to, you know, tell you exactly what you're going to get if you do that. I, I don't, I'm not able to do that. All I can do is tell you that the promise is real and the result is real. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what does he tell us? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What are all these things? I don't know what they are for you. But that's a promise and the payment comes. You say, well, does, does it mean that if I seek God that he's going to give me a raise in my salary? Come on, the economy's terrible. He can't handle that, can he? Maybe, but I don't know. You say, well, if I seek him and do what's right, will I get into Harvard or Yale or will I get A's? Will I, I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that if you earnestly seek him, he rewards you. That's the promise. And the payoff is promised. Remember John 3.16? We all know that. What does it say? For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him... If you earnestly trust in him, what's he going to give you? Eternal life. I can tell you that one easily. If you trust in Christ, you get eternal life. But beyond that, I can't give you the details of what it is that God's going to do for you. But all I can tell you is it was so great for Enoch to be with God that he kept walking with him and never turned away. And that's where we want to get in our life. We want to be so much in tune and walking with God that we don't turn away. Instead, we continue to embrace until he takes us home to glory. Faith, believe God is, expect his rewards. And please notice the fourth feature of a life that is pleasing to God. The fourth feature in uh, Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, in Jude. Let's look at Jude chapter, verses 14 and 15. Do we have that? Jude. Uh, Jude, there's one chapter in the book of Jude, and it says this, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way 
and all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against us. Now, please don't turn it off because it's all this ungodly sinner stuff. Just wait and you'll see how this is okay. Uh, We're not saying you're ungodly sinners. Maybe some of you, but not all, not all, right? I mean, you know, it's a big crowd. So, but uh, what, what we see here is we see the fourth feature of a life that's pleasing to God, and that is you speak on God's behalf. That's what Enoch did. Now, remember, Enoch is living in a period of time that there is unparalleled wickedness. There is unparalleled change going on. Uh, you take your Bibles and read Genesis chapter 6. You find out about this unbelievable situation that life has been for Enoch. But yet here is Enoch walking with God and speaking for him, saying these things. Enoch was not just a heart believer. He was a lip believer. He shared his faith. He talked about his relationship with God. You see, a life that pleases God includes speaking on his behalf. I understand that people want to know that you care before they hear what you say. I understand that. But still, you need to say what is on your heart and what God has done. We are pleasing God when we speak out, when we stand up. You see, we're living in tumultuous times like Enoch. I teach not only Western Civ to freshmen, but I also teach an advanced placement government class at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. And, and I'm telling you, this past week was a great time to be a government teacher. And it, it, I don't want to sound like a big geek, uh, you know, like a government geek or anything like that, but whether you're a Democrat or Republican, to see something that hasn't happened since 1938 and to see the change in all of the, and to see people vote and come out. And I mean, it was exciting times, but it still creates this uncertainty, doesn't it? So what voice needs to be heard? The voice that's pleasing to God. That voice needs to be heard. The voice of confidence, of faith, and trusting and saying, you know what? God has a plan in all of this. I got a phone call the other, uh, last night from a friend of mine. He's a, he's a football official, he, and uh, he was going to the Wyoming-Roger Bacon game. And he said, I was so hoping to get your school's game. He said, but that wasn't in the decree. He said, God wanted me at Wyoming and Roger Bacon for some reason. What a great attitude, Right? What a great way to look at things, to know that God is in charge, God is in control, and then to verbalize that and to be a witness to me. A life that is pleasing to God. We stand up against those things that are wrong and those things that are evil. Four features of a life that is pleasing to God. It is a life of faith. It is a life that believes that God exists. It is a life that expects God's reward. And it is a life that speaks God's message. Uh, Please notice what happens. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, in Hebrews verse, uh, 11, verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. God took him. He was translated. He was taken away. Uh, the man had inner communion, living in, in uninterrupted fellowship with God. What a great way to end life, isn't it? You're walking with God, and he literally says, why don't you just move in with me? And that's what Enoch did. Just moved in with God. What a great guy Enoch must have been to be around. A guy that was pleasing to God so much that God welcomes him in. God takes him in. Enoch's life was not easy, and, and, and perhaps God took him instead of allowing him to have to endure some hardships that he didn't want him to endure. But the whole point is that God wanted him, and when he is ready... He wants you, and he takes you. A life that's pleasing to God. Some of us could be like Enoch and not see death. 
Others of us will see death and be in the presence of God. But one way or the other, we want to live in this life, a life that is pleasing to God. Uh, When I was in high school, my high school basketball coach had a great influence in my life. Uh, he He was not only my basketball coach, but our school, we didn't have baseball. We had softball for guys. Now, it wasn't fast pitch either. It was slow pitch because that's what he did on the weekend. So I thought, well, I'll just bring it to school. And so we played softball in the spring at the school where I went to. And then he retired and he continued to play softball. And not only did he continue to play softball, but he continued to let his life shine to others, his life of faith. Great testimony, great testimony. And this is what happens. He's standing on the pitcher's mound. He's about 64 years old, and he's pitching, and he was playing three or four nights a week softball. And this one night, a game he loved, he's pitching, and he throws the pitch. The batter hits the ball. He turns to watch the ball go to the outfield, drops dead on the mound, right like that. I mean, just there was no, they walked out there, and he was dead before he hit the ground. His heart blew up or something. I'm not sure what it is. I've since reconnected with his son, and I talked to his son uh, through email about that. And his son said, God wanted him at that moment and took him. I thought, what a, what, what a way to end. What a great way to end life, that God takes you when he wants you. This morning, God wants us all, and he wants us all to live a life that's pleasing to him. Let's use Enoch as the example to do that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Father, we have nothing to say without it. So we're glad that you have entrusted it to us. And Lord, allow our minds to resonate over the words of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Allow those words to be the words that encourage us to please you with our life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. Have a great week.